Hey, yes, guys, welcome back once again. Welcome back. Welcome back once again to Tips from the Server Room. You know, I haven't produced a show in quite a while, and even my students have been saying, ah, oh, when are you going to produce more Tips from the Server Room? And I said, guys, I haven't been having a whole lot of time lately on my hands to sit around and produce a podcast. But today I fired up Audacity and I fired up my notes here and I was looking, I was like, wow, I actually wrote a Tips from the Server Room, show number 157. And I was looking, I wrote it back when I was trying to bring this show back, but I never produced it. So today I'm going to go back and I'm going to do this show for you and try to get you back up on task here with what we're trying to learn together and what these podcasts were meant to do uh, when I first created these things. And the biggest thing the podcast was meant to do is to help you, you know, maybe guide you a little bit or help you along on your day-to-day tasks. Now, what I'm not doing with this podcast anymore is I'm no longer producing the video content. Uh, the video on YouTube never did any, you know, very well anyway. It didn't do uh, good at all. So I thought, uh, you know, instead of doing that, we'll just do a straight, uh, a straight up, just a audio podcast. You can listen to this in your car on the way to work. I know a lot of you do like to do that. And I do appreciate you coming back here. Hopefully we'll get this uh, reinitiated and uh, tips from the server room. I'm still paying for the domain and I've been paying for that ever since I started it, obviously. Uh, you know, it's 15 bucks a year. So let's put it to good use here and do something with it. So, folks, let's go ahead with the normal opener, and uh, we're going to get started here with tips from the server room. Welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy tips from the server room. All right, let's see if I can actually do this editing now and see if I can make this work. Folks, welcome back once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 157 for November 28th, 2021. I'm your host, Jack. I'm going to be guiding you into, through, and back out of the worlds of systems administration, network administration, and all fields of IT. Again, welcome back to the show. As I said, I took a little hiatus there. Um, you know, and that can happen on and off, uh, but I will try to bring you content at least, you know, once a week, once every other week. I'll try to bring you a new podcast uh, with some new interesting stuff. I love teaching technology. Like I said, I've been doing it now. I'm on my second year of teaching high school students. And, um, you know, it, it has its ups and downs to teaching profession. But the uh, the point of showing these young men and young women what we know in technology after 25 years, um, I think it's absolutely uh, it, just breathtaking to see their their eyes light and they're like, wow, where did you learn all this stuff? It's like, guys, I've been doing this for a long, long time. So I'm going to bring you a, today a podcast of a class that we had recently. And I thought it would be really nice to to bring this to light to you out there listening, because this is something that's going to happen on your network sooner or later. So I figured I want to talk a little bit about this. And I don't really get into the particulars of how to fix things. Uh, if you want to know how to fix it, you can always email me at uh, tipsfromtheserverroom at gmail.com. I will get those emails. And um, 
you can reach me there. You can also reach me on, uh, I believe you can still reach me on Instagram. I'll have to look and see how that's set up. But uh, or you know what, just uh, comment on these uh, on these posts on the, on the uh, audio. Go to tipsonserverum.com and just comment on the audio. Uh, it's a blog, so you should be able to do that also. So anyway, what we're going to talk about today is uh, the title might have gave it away a little bit, but we're talking about attack surfaces. Now, if you don't know what an attack surface is, that's okay, because uh, I'm going to try to help you through that. All right, so what we are talking about attack surfaces is anything that you have open on your network, on your servers, uh, that's open, you may not even know. And we do a lot of scanning on our networks to find out what is open, you know, what ports are might be hanging out there open. Uh, but you have to also think deeper about your attack surface, depending on what business line you're in. So attack surface, again, is anything that is open that can be uh, accessed by anybody in the general public or anybody on the Internet. Now, think about this. We talk a lot about securing our data centers and we spend I know you probably spend a ton of money right putting certain locks on or putting certain safeguards in place to make sure nobody gets into your server rooms and you probably you know bought a very very expensive um, whatever whatever door locks or door scans or I know people are buying retina scans nowadays but I teach my kids it's not getting into your facility I don't need to get into your facility to access your network right your network is usually hanging on the internet. And if it's on the internet, we have a very easy shot at being able to get in there and start to playing around a little bit with your networks to see what we can get into and what we can get on. So the attack surface again can be any part of that. A lot of people don't understand either. The attack surface, if you work in a building, and I've walked through buildings, when I walk through buildings, what I do is I scope out network jacks and where they might be sitting. A lot of times when you take over an office, you may find that maybe you maybe you put in a front um, uh, receptionist area, let's say, uh, for maybe it's a new, I don't know, I do a lot of consulting work with doctors and dentists. So maybe it's a new reception area and, and it was an office space before they didn't recognize it, but there is network jacks maybe out and they're accessible to the public. What you got to worry about is you got to make sure those network jacks aren't plugged into your switches. Because if they are, and somebody walks in there, they could either just plug like a Raspberry Pi in there and just hang it. You may never even see it. They can pull a plant in front of it, and boom, they have full access to your network from anywhere, right? Or, uh, at the very least, maybe they can pop a network cable out of their bag. Nobody's really paying attention. They think it's a power plug or whatever. They plug in there, and they can jack right into your network. Again, that is an attack surface that's hanging out there. That's something that's available to attack. Yeah, you want to make sure that all those network ports or jacks that's not being used are unplugged. And if not unplugged, at the very least, do this. I teach my students all the time. Go to your switches. I don't know what model of switches you have. Now, we do teach Cisco. Go into your Cisco switches. And what we do is um, we shut down VLAN 1. VLAN 1 is the default VLAN. Just shut it down. Then that way... Any port that you don't specifically have set up on a VLAN number, then port 1 is, is tagged for all those open ports. If you at least shut down VLAN 1, you're going to at least shut that down. The second thing we do with our switches is we go in and we shut down all the unused ports. So if you bring up a port 
that is when you tell it to no shut, right? That's when you turn it up. If the port, if there's nothing plugged in the port, or if you're, you know, if you're not really sure, at the very least, shut the port down. Then nothing can accidentally get plugged in there unless you, the network administrator, understands what it's for and you assign it a port number, you assign it a VLAN number, and you bring it up on your network. So that's a very simple way of securing those outlying attack surfaces. Now, let's talk about securing your servers a little bit. Now, when we talk to my students about servers, it's a little different. We run a program called Nmap. Okay, there's also Zenmap, Z-E-N-M-A-P. Nmap is N-M-A-P. Nmap is a form of a, um, I, I don't know, I guess they call it a penetration te uh, testing tool, pen testing tool. What we use it for is we, we run it against our servers, we scan the servers, and it gives you a really nice output of any open ports. And all that, then you could take that list, and, we, and I teach my students to run against Google to find out, you know, what the port is used for. And if you don't need it, then we, we shut that off in the firewalls, automatically shut that port down. And make sure that that port is not accessible, okay? A lot of people, especially during the whole entire shutdown of the world, the pandemic, everybody ran on opened up port 3389, right? Everybody wanted to have remote desktop administration into their servers from wherever they are. Man, that's one of the worst things you can do. Man, port 3389 is one of the absolute worst possible ports to leave hanging open on your network, especially if you're leaving this open and you're leaving it hung out there uh, to the point where anybody can gain access to that because there's a lot of vulnerabilities in 3389 that we can punch through and get on your server. And now all we got to do is get past that login screen, which usually is not like a big super deal for folks to do that. So be very careful with port 3389. At the very least, we tell people, you know, set your firewalls up to the point where uh, if you need, if you absolutely breathtakingly need port 3389, like there's nothing else in the world that's going to help you get a remote control access to your servers, and there's tons of tools out there for that, at least set it up in your firewall and only give explicit uh, connection to your home IP address. And I know it's a pain, guys. I know it's absolutely painful because if you're out at a coffee shop and you want to pop on your server, you're like, oh, wait. Uh, you know, I can't because it's my home IP address, then then be very careful with that. You want to make sure that you're the only IP address can access that and not your whole bank of IPs because anybody on your uh, network around your neighborhood will be able to jump on your server if they could. The next thing is the firewalls. Check your firewalls and double check them, triple check them, and always check them. First thing we teach our students is pull what we call normal C logs, right? So when the firewalls are running at a normal daily pace, and don't do this at 3 o'clock in the morning when there's nobody on your network. Do it when your offices are full. Pull your firewall logs down. Go through your fire logs, firewall logs and understand what a normal day is, what a, what a normal routine is. And keep that in a binder. I always teach my kids, keep a binder. And they're like, you want us to keep paper? Yes, yeah, because if anything drastically goes down, if you do get ransomware attacked and all your files are deleted or locked out, then you can't get to those normal files to see what happened. So keep them in a paper binder, right? Paper is very hard to uh, give a virus to paper. 
Now, of course, yeah, it can get burned up in a fire or whatever, but have multiple copies. Keep a binder. I always keep a binder in the office, and I always kept a binder at home. Just in that instance, that I need a backup of my binder. I still like, and you might say it's old school, and you might say, hey, this guy that runs tips from the server, this Jack guy, you know, he's just an old man, but I still like that paper in my hands because I know I can flip through there quickly, find the information I need, and try to get me back on task. The next thing with your firewalls, backup, backup, backup your configuration files. These things can grow. I always say a firewall is a living, breathing thing. Because the configuration files can grow, they can get bigger over time, and they get to the point where they just get so uh, humongous that to recreate that would be a nightmare. So, you know, set yourself a TFTP server. Now, if you don't know what that is, basically it's just a server on your network where you can set up a script and, you know, every day, once a week, whatever you want, that config file can be copied from your server directly over to a TFTP server. All right, within your network. Uh, it's just a very good idea to do that. We also do that with all of our switches. We do that with every piece of Cisco gear that we run. Um, just It's just good practice to have those backups of those config files. And the kids have seen that because what I do is they'll start configuring something, they'll get it all configured, and they forget to do something like, and if you don't know what this is, it's a copy run start. So all that means is you're copying the running config file that they're programming at that time and they're copying it to the startup config file. So you might be saying, well, okay, Jack, what does that mean? Well, what that means is if there's a recycle in the power, the running config file is gone because it's 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 what you're currently working on. So it's gone unless you write it to the startup config file. Then that's your boot file when, you're, when your systems boot up. So what I'll do, they'll get it all done and they'll leave for the day. And, and I know they forgot to do that. I purposely unplug the switch or the routers or, or the firewall. I'll unplug it and uh, I'll plug it back in. When they come back in, there's there's no configuration settings. Uh, and, and then they learn very quickly like, hey, what this guy is teaching me is, is pretty smart stuff, right? Stuff that I have to do that I'm responsible for is maybe a network administrator, systems administrator. It's very important stuff. Everybody thinks network administration is just, oh, I can program a switch. Yeah, I know. And programming switches is pretty high-end. I'm not taking that away from you. It's, it's pretty important to be able to program a switch, understand routing, understanding VLANs. That is all extremely important stuff. But it's also just as important to understand that you are responsible for keeping that stuff operational and backing stuff up. So if you come in after a power failure and you got all done configuring everything and you did it under the run commands, and all your stuff is totally wiped out. You just took your office and took at least a whole nother day, maybe 10 days, that they can't work. So it's your responsibility once you step into these roles. All right. Now we're talking a little bit about closing the gap with VLAN traffic. So VLANs, we know, they are used to segregate our networks. Uh, they are used to speed up our networks because we use VLANs to, again, break up our networks right into, into multiple subnets and moving vlan traffic around and getting my students to understand vlans has been we usually spend like a month uh, on and off about vlan traffic and they're to the point now we are um oh what are we now about almost 18 weeks uh, within the school year and these students even my new students understand vlan traffic they can set vlans up like on the fly 
Um, I'll give them a command sheet or something. I'll give them a, a scenario on paper and have them set a network up and they can program these VLANs out uh, and, and segregate a network out in no time at all. It also helps with all that noisy broadcast traffic across your network. If you run a flat network, it's going to be noisy. But VLANs also, people don't understand, is a part of our security measures. It lowers our attack surface. Remember the guy that sat in your lobby and plugged into your uh, your RJ45, your keystone jack on the wall, and uh, he had access to your whole network? Well, if that jack was on a VLAN, possibilities he couldn't have, have got to anything anyway if that VLAN wasn't crossing to your other subnets. So, and I'm sorry, some of this gets a little bit more uh, in-depth here when I do these shows, a little bit more technical. And I uh, have to get a drink of coffee every now and then. won't be able to talk. But if I don't get a little bit technical with you, you know, it's just a bunch of hogwash. You know, a bunch of stuff that who cares? Uh, I'm just babbling. I try to give you enough information to help you and get you moving. Again, if you don't understand this stuff, I am always available. Uh, I do a lot of consulting work. And, I, and these days, it's so easy to remote consult that uh, I can help you remote in. You know, we can get you those, uh, uh, you know, do not disclose documents and stuff. Uh, we get those signed, the uh, MDRs, and uh, but uh, ND, no NDRs. I'm sorry, do not disclose, do not release information uh, to you. So your company will be happy. Uh, the rates are, are fairly decent, I think. So uh, I'm always available out there to help you out. Uh, and, and I'm not beyond, I mean, if I have time, I'm not beyond, you know, coming out to your facilities and helping you there, you know, on site. And uh, trying to walk you through some of this stuff. And I also teach it so you'll learn it. And that's why I used to like when consultants came in, they wanted to do it their own because they wanted to come back and make more money. I don't do that, guys. So I'm here to help you. I'll get you going. I'll teach you about the stuff. And then you go on your merry way and you take care of it yourself. Right? I don't want to run any more networks. I have enough networks. Controlling the inside using policies. We talk a lot about this in class also. And policies, uh, there's, you know, um, you know, the, obviously the non-disclosure policy type things. The last position I held, I told my students that I was in charge of the HIPAA policies. And I didn't know, I knew what HIPAA was, obviously, because I work for doctor's offices and I've written one HIPAA policy. But the current position or the last position I was working at actually sent me to classes and I became certified in HIPAA. So that way I can uh, write the actual policies for the company, which I did. And I maintained the HIPAA policies. Um, you know, there's actually the, you know, the fair use policies. How can you use the computer equipment? And the one I wrote for that actual doctor's office, uh, they were very, very mad at me because all the nurses believed that it was a good idea during the day when they weren't busy to get on Facebook on the computers that they wrote prescriptions on. See, there's a problem there, right? Think about stuff when you're writing these things. Um, but, and I'm not going to go into the whole HIPAA laws right now. I mean, I'm sure I can do a whole show on HIPAA. And on all those laws, I just pull my notes back because I have so many of those. But um, we need policies, not only security policies on your servers, which those are extremely important, because you can actually try to help people not do stupid things, right? That's our job. That's our biggest part of our job is trying to maintain usability with security. And sometimes those two things, the biggest thing that I find with security is the biggest thing I find with security is this is 
the ease of use with being secure. So the last place I was working was a marketing firm, and we talked a lot about uh, two-factor authentication, right? And I was told by the CEO that, oh, man, our people wouldn't like that very much. So we better not do two-factor authentication. And I warned against it. I said, look, it's not a good idea, but I understand because he has to have his company, his people moving along and working every day. And I get it, you know, and you can argue as much as you want, but don't argue too much with the person paying your paycheck because you might not be receiving that paycheck any longer. Even though you're right, sometimes you have to just meet in the middle and just say, okay, I understand and let it go at that. So there's, there's a lot of stuff we do with security policies on the servers. And again, we're talking about attack surfaces. So it will lower the attack surfaces because you're con now controlling the workstations that your people are working on. And I think that's incredibly important to maintain what they're allowed to do, what they're allowed to see. You know, you could even narrow that down and say what they're allowed to print. Um, printing in black and white only, or actually it's printing in black ink only. No color, uh, unless they have, you know, authorization to do so because color costs the company money. And that's going to help you also. Let's talk just a minute. It's not my notes here, but it's coming across my, my brain here when I'm talking is your wireless connections. Wireless is one of the greatest things uh, invented for the modern day networking. I like hardwired because I think it's more stable and obviously it's faster and I can control it better. But wireless is out there. You have to maintain it. You have to use it. It's, it's a thing of today's modern society. Everybody wants to pull out their iPad and jump on your wireless or, you know, use their laptop at the coffee shop or whatever. But you have to maintain some kind of uh, control over the wireless. The biggest, easiest way to do that, obviously, is VLANing your traffic and setting a password. Now, are passwords perfect? No, because I teach my kid... My, I teach my students, and I tell my, I try not to call them kids because to me, when I envision a kid, I'm looking at like a, a, a kindergarten to a second grader. Those are kids. Uh, my guys are older. They're, they're now students, right? They got that esteemed privilege of being called a student. Anyway, I teach them how to penetrate wireless and how to uh, use packet sniffers to sniff the traffic coming across the wireless networks to gain access to the passwords. So is it perfect? No. Nothing we do is absolutely foolproof. You know, I'm trying to teach you about attack surfaces because I want you to go out. I want you to research attack surfaces, learn more about it, and start, you know, don't just take my word for it. Believe me, it's a very, very important thing. I teach penetra penetration testing on uh, networks, and I also treat, I also, uh, I also teach Man, I can't talk this morning. I also teach, um, obviously, I teach about um, hacking, uh, penetration testing, and hacking tools. I teach my kids how to break into systems because I, I told, uh, you know, principals above me, if I can't teach them how to break in, they won't know how to protect it, right? Even the best locksmith in the world can, can pick your locks very easily because they have to know how the lock can be broken before they can actually put a good lock on to, to secure your home. Same kind of, uh, you know, theory on my part uh, with my students. So wireless is not 100%. One thing you should do with your wireless is when you put your wireless or when you're planning your wireless deployment, go outside your building with a laptop and see if you're getting a signal from that wireless unit. If you are and if you can, move it further in 
side of the building. Just little things like that to make that signal outside the building just a little weaker and make it hard for somebody coming around your building at nighttime, firing up a laptop and, uh, and being able to use it. Um, I set up a wireless network in a school I worked for uh, like 15 years ago. And uh, the school board asked me about the security of the wireless. And I said it was very interesting because I didn't know at the time. I didn't realize, I guess. I went outside of the gymnasium and I sat outside on this wall where I guess people would just drive up and sit, right? Opened the laptop up and I didn't have enough signal to even connect to the wireless. And believe me, it wasn't by design. It was by pure stupid luck uh, that that happened. But these are things that I've learned over the years that are very important to you as the network administrator or systems administrator to understand that you've got to protect your attack surfaces. Any way you can make that smaller, that surface smaller in any way you can think of it. And it takes a lot of work. This isn't something you're going to do in one day. Just sit down and draw it out. This is something that takes months. It could take years of planning. At the very least... You know, get it. And I, I, and my kids hate this. My students, not my kids, they hate this. Get a piece of paper and a pencil out, guys. We're going to draw this out. Paper and what? And I said, paper and a pencil. And we're going to draw this out because you're going to erase stuff. You're going to scratch stuff out. But, but draw it out and start thinking about every possible way that an attacker can attack your network. Now, if you're still curious, if you're still worried about this stuff, and you're like, Jack, man, you got me scared to death. I might just pull the internet plug. You don't have to do that. Contact me. What I've been doing is I use my students. We've been working with companies out there that want us to scan their networks and try to help them along. We will write you a nice report, and we will give that to you for free just for you allowing to, uh, you know, for me to educate my students and to use your company. We will sign any disclosure form you need. Uh, we can also get, um, you know, our, our guarantees, uh, some kind of guaranteed document from the school that we can send your company. So we're not, the kids aren't going to get in there and do, uh, the students, I keep saying kids, the students aren't going to get in there and do anything wrong because it's going to be completely guided by me and, uh, and they know the limitations of what we can do, what we should do. And uh, what we should never do. But but this is strictly for scanning purposes. And it's strictly to help you see if anybody can break into your network or your servers from the outside uh, of your building. So, you know, we can help you. Just let me know. Just, like I said, drop a comment below on this podcast. Or, you know, send me an email. I think that would be an easy way to do it at tipsfromtheserverroom at gmail.com. And uh, you can send me an email there. So. And don't forget about that uh, Windows Server class. It's still going on. I just wanted to throw it out there. Go to jtclearning.com, jtclearning.com. And I am working on Windows Server 2022 now. That's going to be a new class that I'm putting together, and I'm going to have it up on that site so you can actually uh, have that server. Um, you know, if you're going to 2022, um, there's not a whole lot of difference. I can tell you that between 2012, 2012, 2012, 2012. So. But hey, you know, thanks again for listening. I hope uh, I stayed on here long enough to get you to your destination or get you to work. Uh, I know people, I listen to a lot of podcasts going to work, and I, and I hope that to be the case. So, But any, uh, anyway, please remember, uh, help me out here, help the show a little bit. You know, I don't need, I don't have any, um, you know, what, what do they call that thing? Um, I don't know, where people send money to you or buy you a cup of coffee. I don't have any of that. But if you buy anything on Amazon, use my Amazon link. 
at tipsfromtheserveroom.com. It truly does help the show, and you're paying the same price, especially this time of year around Christmas. You know, use that link. Go on there and uh, do your shopping and check out, and then a couple bucks comes back to Tips from the Server Room. It just helps with equipment and gear that I need here to, if nothing else, help me pay for the website. Uh, it's about, uh, I don't know, uh, $30 total a year, that maybe $50 total a year by between the domain name and the website. So you know how that works. But, folks, once again, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I hope to be back with you very soon again. And uh, hopefully uh, you're sticking around. And if you're not, put this uh, new podcast you just found into your podcatcher. And uh, keep me there. And I will help you with your systems administration, network administrations, and all fields of IT. Until next time, take care, everybody. I'll see you back here soon. You just listened to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long. <laughs>